and welcome to HY Dyslexia podcast. Today we have the amazing Habib Baluch who have been on our podcast previously but I think I couldn't get enough of the information so I had to welcome him back again um, on another occasion. So we have Habib back um, with us who works for DWP and he works within the Access to Work um, team and today he's going to talk to us about what it means with Access to Work scheme and blended support offer i must be honest i had never heard of that before so i think as much as you're all very eager to hear what blended support scheme is so am i and also i'm sure lots of our listeners want to find out what that is so i'd like to welcome habib and maybe he will tell us a little bit about his background um and then we'll dive straight into the podcast to find out what blended support offer is Habib, welcome to A2I Dyslexia Podcast. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. Um, And I don't mind telling you a little bit about myself. I am an advocate for disability services. I work for the Department for Work and Pensions. And what's really important to myself and my team is that we advocate for all of our benefits to try and support our customers because we believe that people with health conditions, mental health conditions, hidden impairments or barriers in terms of communication and not left at the back of the queue when it comes to work and opportunities. And that's why we advocate for them and try and make sure that those people are aware of the support available and know how to access it. Again, say a very special thank you to um, European Social Fund and Education Skills Funding Agency, um, who supports our employability skills um, funding to support people back into work, training, um, and so forth, and apprenticeship. Um, And I think having Habib here today to talk about the Blender Support Scheme, we've already covered access to work. It will be really beneficial to one, to the dyslexic community and two, to people with specific learning difficulties. Because as we know, or some of you may or may not know, someone may have dyslexia, but it might not just be dyslexia. They might have Asperger's or um, autism or ASD or ADHD or or Tourette's or um, all the other specific learning as well as dyslexia. So even though H2I dyslexia stand for dyslexia and all the other um, specific, i.e. dyscalculia and dyspraxia, we also recognize that people may not just have one condition, but they might have more than one. And this is why it's really important that anybody who's listening at the moment, um, you might want to share it with someone else who may have um, other conditions. So Habib, what is blended support? The blended support offer is access to work's response to COVID-19. So if we go back a little bit in time to maybe February this year, lots of your listeners were working in a very different way. Um, you know, they might have been based in offices or other locations where they had a primary location and that was where they worked. And now if we fast forward to December, those people, very different things are expected from them, whether it's being flexible in terms of where they work or whether it's in taking extra precautions in terms of socially distancing, or whether it's keeping their support workers safe. There's lots of things that now are very different to the way they were in February. And the blended support offer tries to overcome them, those issues, so that people with health conditions, with hidden impairments, or with learning difficulties, so that those people can get the support they need 
to do what the colleagues do, to be flexible, to work from home a couple of days a week or in the office for the rest of the week. And by doing so, having the right support to do that job, not just being told that they can work from home, but having the means, the equipment and the furniture that they need to be able to do their job and to be able to do what's expected of them. Because it is much harder for those people to make that adjustment and sudden, suddenly be told that although all of their adjustments are in the workplace, they can't go there because you know they might have to shield or there might not be enough space in the workplace for them anymore. So what the blended support offer does is it puts together a package of support to help people travel if they need to travel, to help them cover the costs of dual site working if that's needed, to help them cover the cost of moving equipment home if they're going to be home working for a long period of time. But can also cover taxi fare to ensure social distancing. It can cover support through the mental health support scheme. It can cover funding through a tech fund for in terms of IT software, but also personal protective equipment for support workers, job coaches and job aides. And I will go on to explain that in a bit more detail, but they're the kind of issues that access to work felt would be coming up for people with reasonable adjustments in the workplace and they wanted to put together a package of support to make it easier for those people and not just to make it easier for them to do their job. We recognise the fact that when employers are looking at their staff and, and thinking, right, you free, you can work from home, no problem. However, that person needs a magnifier or a proofreader or communication support. We didn't want those people to stand out as being any more expensive than their colleagues. And that's why Access to Work is, is willing to provide funding and provide support to make sure that those people are no more expensive than their colleagues. So blended support really came into effect as of March this year, as in March 2020? It started in the summer. It did take a little bit of time for us to react, but it started over the summer of this year. Right, okay. And of course, somebody might be listening to this podcast a year later. So when you say this is July 2020, isn't it? Sort of from then onwards. Excellent. That's such a brilliant thing. And I obviously I didn't even know about this until um, we spoke last time and you kind of explained it to us. So um, if you if, it, if it's OK, Habib, are you able to explain the three strands of blended support offer? What are the three strands? Okay. Yes, of course I can. So the first strand of the blended support offer covers dual site working. So there could be some of your listeners who over the last few months are having to work in more than one location. It might be that certain days of the week they are in the office as normal, but on other occasions they need to work from home, whether it's to ensure that there's the right number of people in the office, trying to keep to the two meters meter social distance, or whether it's for other reasons. And many of those people might have a setup at work and equipment at work which means that the best opportunity they have to do their work and to do their job to the fullest is being in the office it might be a specialist piece piece of equipment it might be specialist software on their work it um, or it might be that the support that was in place in the workplace means that they could do their job in the workplace and now suddenly people are being asked to do a couple of days a week from home or a week from home. 
So what Access to Work are willing to do is carry out a holistic assessment of what's needed at both sites, whether it's home and the office, and establish anything that's above a reasonable adjustment. So any specialist equipment, any adaptations, anything that's needed to help that person is identified using that holistic assessment. And then access to work can pay for it to be replicated in the second location. Whether that is uh, something big like furniture or whether something small uh, like a piece of software or a piece of IT. It is there to support people and it's only if the person can accommodate it as well. So if someone needs to have a, a setup which involves two monitors and a magnifier and some digital recording equipment and they can't accommodate that at home, it wouldn't be proposed. But if someone has the space for dual site working, access to work can fund the adjustments that are needed in that second site, whether that's in the home or, or another environment, to make sure that the person can do their job in both locations. And, and it's important to point out as well that they don't go back to the employer and say, what's your contribution? It is paid for in its entirety by access to work. Oh, right. OK, because that's what I was going to ask, actually. Yeah. Also, you mentioned assessment. How would the assessment be done now that we're all social distancing? Is it done over Zoom? Is it done over telephone? Or is someone coming into your house to assess that? How is it done? Hmm. So at the moment, there's no face-to-face -face assessments taking place. Normally, for access to work support, there is a, an assessment which takes place in the workplace. But as that's been suspended, that was suspended in, in March, any assessments are taking place by phone where possible. So there'd be a, a three-way conversation, first to establish in the applicant's um, words what's needed, what's currently in place, and then there'll be the involvement of the employer to see in their eyes what's going to be needed of that employee because they're going to be working in a different environment. Are they expected to do anything additional or are they expected to do less? Just to establish from both sets of, from both individuals really, to see what's needed to overcome those barriers. Right, wonderful, excellent. Now, how can Blender support help any dyslexic who's listening at the moment? Or, I mean, I know dyslexia affects everybody in so many different ways, but is that like one example you could give us? Well, in terms of examples, I can, I can try, yeah. So it could be that someone who has dyslexia in the workplace had specific support in place. It might be that they had a proofreader or a, a digital recording device which could record meetings and, and play them back at a later date so they could take it in. Or it might even be that they had a little digital scanner to scan text. Um, and those things might be portable and they might be, be able to moved, be moved from the workplace to home without any problems. But the equipment might be too big. They might need certain bits of equipment that can't just be you know, put in the car or taken on a bus or on a taxi home. It might be things that need to be replicated. It could be that the person at home needs certain equipment, um, whether it's different coloured paper and a printer, or it could be that they need communication support, um, you know, via a, an online method to try and give them instructions and provide them guidance. Whichever adjustments they have in the workplace, the blended support offer looks to replicate them at the person's second site. And I've just realised when I was explaining, explaining about the blended support, I've only told you about dual site working. There is actually quite a lot more to it than dual site working. Because as well as dual site working, there's the home working offer, 
which again involves a, flex, a flexible holistic assessment to identify what they had in the workplace, what can be moved, whether they need office equipment, whether their physical support that they had needs to be virtual support, whether it's to pay for things to be transported from the workplace to home, it could be well-being support, it could be um, adaptations to the standard equipment, or it could even be uh, support in terms of uh, coping strategies, you know, now that they are in a different environment. All those things can be covered as part of the second strand, which is the home working support offer. And then we go on to quite a biggie, um, which is the COVID-19 support offer. And it covers personal protective equipment, social distancing, a tech fund, and also the mental health support service. So I will explain a little bit more about that. So due to social distancing, there are people who previously got access to work funding for work coaches, uh, sorry, a job coach, a support worker, might be a care provider in the workplace. And those things now are going to be quite difficult because the person providing that care or providing that support role might need to socially distance from people. And when you're providing care to someone or helping them at mealtime, that's going to be really difficult. And those people might need personal protective equipment so that they can keep themselves and the person they're supporting safe. So access to work can support in terms of financing personal protective equipment for those support workers, those companions, you know, those coaches and those care providers to make sure that there's no additional risk attached. They can also help in terms of funding different methods of transport. So it could be that, you know, one of your listeners who is, is dyslexic previously got the train or the bus to work without any issues. But now in order to support social distancing, they need to take extra precautions and need to make sure um, that there's not lots of people around them. So if now, even though they can get a bus or a train, if they feel that the safest way of them getting to work and back is by private taxi, Access to Work is willing to pay the difference between their normal method of transport and a private taxi. And um, regardless of what that cost is, they're willing to pay the difference, again, to reduce that risk. There's also, thank you, uh, there's also the technical fund, um, which is Access to Work's way of trying to overcome barriers to people being in work by using technology, um, you know, being digital about it, looking for digital solutions. And the advantage of using the, the tech fund is that there's no employer contribution. Um, you know, it's total, if it's totally technology related, Access to Work pay for it again in its entirety. Um, again, to try and to make sure that employees are not disincentivized, to make sure that there's no downside to taking on people who need that technology, who need that specialist support. And then the last bit to mention really on the blended support offer is the mental health well-being. So I mentioned earlier, the mental health support service is there to help people, whether they're in the workplace or whether they've been furloughed, whether they're at home and due to come back into the office, any of those scenarios would attract um, support through the mental health support service. It would be confidential and it can even cover people who are furloughed. If anyone is experiencing any mental health issue, any anxiety, whether they're in the workplace or not, they can access that service. And like I said earlier, it is confidential unless someone chooses to share that with their employer. Thank you.
Now, I have to ask you this question because it's been sort of on my mind for quite a while. Can anyone who's self-employed apply for access to work? And what is the criteria? Yes, of course they can. So when applying for access to work, being self-employed, um, firstly, you need to have the same level of detail as you would if you were, say, going for going to the bank, you know, to, to present your proposal. So you need details to prove that it was a viable business. You need details of your plans, what you're going to be doing, uh, you know, the research that you've done to make sure that your business will be successful and will be viable. Viable. You'll also need your unique tax reference number to show that you have registered. Um, and then I think the biggie, what you need to be able to do is show how the extra costs that you're incurring are associated with your health condition, your disability, or your communication barrier. Because access to work isn't just there to help people um, with health conditions or, or a learning disability to, to get set up for self-employed. It's to cover the costs, the extra costs associated with people with health conditions or a hidden impairment setting up that business. So anything you need for that business if someone without any of those conditions needs it, you're unlikely to get it. So if someone's setting up a business, thinks, right, well, I'm going to need a computer. I'm going to need a desk. I'm going to need some uh, filing cabinets. If you didn't have the condition you had, you're probably still going to need those things. And access to work wouldn't fund them. It's only things. It's only the extra cost of getting things or getting to work, which will be covered because the how the person's health impacts them. So it's if it's something that anyone going self-employed would need, then it's unlikely that access to work would cover it. But if it's something that you need because of your dyslexia, because of your health condition and the way it impacts you, that's where access to work will fund um, self-employment as well as being employed. Employed, yeah. So for example, um, someone set up their organisation, uh, set up a business and they have a barrier to reading documents or um, understanding a certain document or processing the information they've read, then obviously uh, a support worker or um, a, um, a technical device will be able to support them in, in, in their businesses. Um, and the only reason I ask that question is because 20% of self-starters in the UK I've got dyslexia so if you're not as rich as Richard Branson um you know and you really want to do it but those were a barrier um to setting up or starting your business I think access to work could be a place um where one could go for help but I understand the fact that equipments are not covered because so for example you needed a laptop to set up your business that's definitely not the case however what's stopping you to start i.e the hidden disability i.e. the dyslexia, who's stopping, what's stopping you to maybe write your proposal, let's say, or write your business plan. And I guess, is that when the one, the individual can go for that help? Yeah, well, I think using your example is quite a good one. So someone who needs that specialist equipment because, you know, because they are, they have dyslexia, they would need extra support, whether it is proofreading or, or, or something along, along those lines. So if someone just needed, say, a scanner to scan in documents or a fax machine to fax documents, that's what everyone might need in an office. But if someone needed, say, a, a specific laptop which could run specific software, say, mind mapping software, or a specific um, application which helps with their proofreading, 
that then suddenly from just becoming a piece of office equipment it become becomes something that that person is reliant on because of the, the condition that they have and that's where it comes into scope for access to work wonderful this is so amazing you can't put a price on this information and i think as a dyslexic if you went on dwp website to read what's available i know for me as a dyslexic i'll read it i'll walk away and i think what was all that about um and then i have to go back and read it or sometimes get somebody else to read it for me to understand it and i think having the podcast i guess people can listen to it over and over and over before it's all kind of sank in or how they've understood it. Um, Cause I know as a dyslexic person, what I've read sometimes by the, by the time I've even walked away from it, I've forgotten it all. So having a podcast is so brilliant. I think anyway, so this is a great opportunity. Now I've got a last question for you and we will we, we'll, um, bring this to an end. Now tell me a little bit about kickstart scheme. Cause I don't know why, a few people are confused between kickstart scheme um, and everything else that DWP have introduced since COVID-19. Just give me a little bit of a highlight on that. Yeah. Yeah. So kickstart is a scheme that's been launched in response to the set of challenges that the, the UK is currently facing. Um, the statistics show that young people are, the, are the highest, at the highest risk of being furloughed or losing the job as a result of what's been happening over the last few months. So to try and address that, the Kickstart scheme has been launched and it's a fully backed government scheme where the government are committed to supporting young people on universal credit aged between 16 and 24 in Kickstart opportunities. And what a Kickstart opportunity is, is a six weeks of paid employment, paid employment for 25 hours a week, fully funded by the government. So the government will pay the wages and the relevant national insurance contributions. And during that six months, it's not just come in every day and we'll pay you minimum wage. It's six months of workplace training. It's six months of mentoring support and six months of learning on the job. So that at the end of that six months, the person has not just had six months in the workplace. They've got the tools, they've got the experience that they need to move on from that into further employment, to start a career somewhere and with that confidence of, of having that six months of, of support. And Kickstart really is aimed at, at younger people. And it's aimed to give them skills and experience and mentoring opportunities, and really the chance to do it for themselves as well, not just to be given something, but the chance to work for that six months to show that they can do it and to build the skills that they need in order to progress. Um, and the fact that they are backed by the government gives employers a massive, um, encouragement and a massive um, impetus to use it because the employer isn't contributing towards that person's wages. Wonderful. Habib, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the knowledge you've shared with us. Thank you for um, the work you're doing. It's amazing, really phenomenal. Um, of course, when we share the podcast, we will um, link DWP website into, into that. Um, is there any way people can not contact you direct, but you're based in Manchester, aren't you? So, yeah. So if somebody wants to kind of get a bit more information or what do they do? Just go on, on, on DWP website or can they contact you? What I'd say is with um, when it comes to access to work, there is lots of local support available and it's done through your job centres. So at every job centre, there is a disability employment advisor. And they're not just there to support people trying to get into work, 
they're also there to advocate for people who are in work. So if someone's in work and has any issues and they need support with applying for access to work or chasing it up, the Disability Employment Advisor can help. If they need a bit of a go-between between themselves and the employer, the Disability Employment Advisor can help. So as long as people are accessing, say, their local job centre or they're aware of who their local contacts are, the Disability Employment Advisor Network at job centres is fantastic in terms of that support and, and that advocacy service. Um, that's the best way of, of getting support when it comes to access to work is through the Disability Employment Advisors. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more because my Disability Employment Advisor locally in Wandsworth, she was absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, when I was looking for work or wanted to um, do my own uh, A2I dyslexia set this up, she was there to advise me in so many different ways of how I can get the help. Um, when I was in work um, previously, many years ago, she was also very helpful. So I couldn't agree more, Habib. Um, that's where everyone should go to ask for the help they need. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. And um, time's up. We have to go. I wish I could talk more and more, but unfortunately, we have to bring it to an end. Thank you so much, Abib, and thank you to European Social Fund and Education Skills Funding Agency for um, funding this project. And thank you to the wonderful Yola, who produces all this podcast on behalf of A2I Dyslexia. Habib, thank you. Have a lovely evening, and thank you to our listeners. And we'll be back same time next week and same place. Thank you. Bye-bye for now. Please note that the information provided in this podcast is correct on the date of recording, which is the 9th of December, 2020. The Aspire to Inspire Dyslexia podcast, All Things Dyslexia, is funded by the European Social Fund and Skills Agency, presented by Elizabeth Tashi. It's produced and distributed by Salt and Pepper Productions.